Welcome, everyone. I'm Kim Christensen, and this is the Peaceful Productivity Podcast, where I share strategies to help you get the most out of your time and feel better in the process. Hi, good morning. Welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, Kim Christensen. Today, we're talking about time management and some of the questions that have been brought forward by my clients and the answers that we've arrived to together. That's the thing about coaching is that often it's misperceived as advising. And my experience of coaching is that it is working together with a client to help them find what's true for them. Today, I'd like to share with you some of the things that my clients have discovered for themselves in the idea that maybe they will be helpful or spark some insights for you. So the first question is, how do I get more done? The idea of work-life balance, and if I could just get more done during the day, then I could leave work earlier and enjoy my downtime more. And what we've discovered is that oftentimes it's not a function of getting more done, it's a function of prioritization. And when I say prioritization, I don't mean a ranking of what's important. I mean a choosing of what's important. So if you're asking yourself how to get more done, an alternative question might be, what if I were to get less done? What if I were to become more focused? What would I choose to keep and what would I be willing to let go of? And therein lies the root of the issue, which is what would I be willing to let go of? Because more often than not, we take on things that we don't necessarily want to do or even relate to our primary goals and objectives because we're not really willing to say no or let go of something. So if you find yourself in this space where you're asking yourself the question, how do I get more done? I'm bringing things home. I'm maybe not bringing actual work home, but I'm bringing the stress home. So if you're in that space, the question to ask yourself is, what if I were to get less done? What would I focus on? What would I be willing to let go of? The next question is around becoming more intentional. And the question is often some version of how do I become less reactive or less stressed? Some of my clients find themselves in this space where they'll plan for a little while and then they'll say something like, well, I fell off the wagon and I just got too busy. I didn't even have time to plan. So now I feel like I'm just putting out fires all the time. Our brains are very, very good at telling ourselves that we don't have time to plan, especially when we get into that reactive state where everything feels important and urgent. And I had this coaching experience with someone just the other day when we started to explore how long it actually took to create a plan, a plan for maybe just the upcoming 24 hours. We actually timed it. The most interesting thing is that it took less than five minutes 
to create that plan. So the idea that it takes us too long to plan, that we don't have time to do it, is actually a bit of a myth that we're perpetuating. We're telling ourselves we don't have time to plan. We just do what is nearest and feels most urgent. And then that fight or flight response kicks in where we start to respond with adrenaline (laughs) and we start to feel very, very reactive and it just seems to perpetuate itself a bit. So when you're feeling stressed, taking five minutes to jot down a plan for the next 24 hours can be so helpful. The next question is, how do I become more present? How do I have my brain and my feet in the same place at the same time? This is related to the previous question in the fact that when we're in a given time and space, our brain is often in a different place. It can be thinking about the future. It can be experiencing some regret or trying to change the past. Or if it's in the moment, it's busy judging ourselves. So the question is, how do we just experience the moment, what's going on, appreciating what's happening without judging it? My favorite way to become more present is to check in with my body, to ask myself, what am I experiencing in this moment? And I like to describe this to myself in terms of what are the sensations, what are the emotions coming up? And rather than analyzing them too much, I'm a bit of an overthinker, sinking into the experience and appreciating it. Now, for myself and many of my clients, it's hard to remember to do this on an ongoing basis, especially when we get caught up and we're doing all of the things. And so what I like to do is use a thought or an emotional experience as a cue to remind myself to check in with myself. Frustration, as an example. When I'm feeling frustrated, What's going on for me? What does frustration even feel like in my body? Does it sort of manifest itself in my stomach, in my chest, in my limbs? What's happening in my brain when I feel frustrated? What is that sensation of frustration? What does it really feel like? And remind myself when I feel frustration, it's less about analyzing it. Like, why is it there? That question and be my default. But rather than analyzing it, just experiencing it and moving towards the feeling of frustration. I think frustration is one of those feelings that, at least for me, I push it aside, push it down. It's not useful, I'll tell myself. And so I won't sit with it necessarily. I won't lean into it. I'll think of it as a bit of a waste of time. That line of thinking for me is the reason why I'll often dismiss emotions. So rather than placing value on certain emotions and devaluing other ones, I'll remind myself, I'll use the feeling, that initial feeling of frustration, I'll use that to remind me to actually feel it, experience it, move towards it, 
And then that allows me to become more present with my current experience in the moment. The next question is, how can I get organized? How can I make a plan when my life is so unpredictable? Maybe you work shift work. Maybe you have young children. You're working from home. You're trying to get things done and family commitments come up. Your work is unpredictable. Whatever that looks like for you, what I like to offer in that situation is how is there predictability in the unpredictable? So as an example, if your work is the type of work where you're on call, so you're doing something and all of a sudden you get called into work and you couldn't predict when you were going to get called into work or whether or not you were even going to get called into work at all. And so the thing that I like to do in that situation is acknowledge that there's a degree of unpredictability there and to find the pattern or the predictability within the unpredictable. So we may not know if and when we're going to be called into work, but we do know that time frame for which we are on call. And what I like to do in that situation is I like to make a plan in the event that I don't get called in, but I also like to plan on the fact that I will get called in. Having that working idea of what that will look like, maybe planning my food in advance, planning the commute to work, whatever that looks like in the event that I get called in, having some idea of what will happen in that event gives me a bit of a safety net, a security, knowing that I can manage and I can handle getting called in. And I also have a plan for not getting called in. This can work well with kids as well. Although we don't necessarily know or can control the interruptions from our family, especially when we're working at home, we can start to identify a bit of a pattern there. When my daughter was younger, there was a bit of a, uh, what would you call it, like a witching hour where it was late afternoon when she was getting tired and hungry and dinner wasn't coming fast enough. There was a time period there where I knew that it wouldn't serve either one of us to go grocery shopping as an example during that time period, that really what she needed and what I needed was a little bit of downtime to transition into the evening. So although I might not know specifically how she's going to be feeling, how I'm going to be feeling in that moment, I can predict to a certain extent based on this pattern of behavior that it's probably not a good idea to plan an outing during that time period. Another example is when you're at work and the flow of work that comes to you is somewhat unpredictable. You can also find patterns in that as well. So for an example, maybe you meet with your boss once a week and you start to notice that after those meetings, you're being assigned more work or you have a team meeting at the beginning of the week and you start to get your work organized for the week at that team meeting, then you can start to identify the ebbs and the flow 
of how that work comes to you and when are your busy times and when are your slower times. So the takeaway here that we find is when we're trying to get organized and we're feeling like life is unpredictable, the idea is to start to look for patterns and start to notice those patterns and use those patterns to start to serve you in terms of making a plan and getting more intentional with your time. One thing that I'll add here is that sometimes this is when our perfectionist tendencies might start to emerge. And the reason that we find that we're not making a plan or we're telling ourselves that our lives are too unpredictable to make a plan because it in some way isn't going to be perfect. If you find yourself a bit resistant to making a plan or you're telling yourself that you're not going to follow it because there's this idea that there's this perfect plan out there, a great question to ask in that situation is, what would be an improvement, even if not perfect? If we could make just one degree of improvement in our current approach to planning, what would that look like? This can be such a helpful question to ask ourselves because when we do get tied up to this idea that there's a perfect way to do it and that we can control all of the things, then that's when we start to resist and avoid doing any sort of planning at all. The next question is around self-care. I often get asked, how do I start and incorporate more self-care into my schedule? And for me, what has worked really well is to actually reserve time for it in my schedule. So getting a real good understanding of what is self-care and then actually protecting it in my schedule gives me some bandwidth, some ability to keep it top of mind and then actually have the time to honor that commitment to myself. This is still a work in progress, but I'm more likely to be mindful and pay attention to what self-care is and what it means to me and to follow through on it when I have some time reserved for it in my schedule. If you have time in your schedule for it and you're still not honoring that time for yourself, it's really great to understand why. What's going on for you in that moment when you're making the decision to do something other than what you've planned for yourself? Is it tied to the idea that there are other things that are more important than your self-care? And if you do notice that coming up for you, it's not a reason to beat up on yourself. It's a great opportunity, really. And the way that I do this is through journaling, is to take a look at that a little bit more closely. The idea that I don't have time for self-care, that there are other things that are more important than self-care, when those thoughts are coming up for me, I'll just often journal about that. And what I'll find when I journal about wasting time is that it's not necessarily that I don't want to waste time. It's that I don't want to feel an uncomfortable feeling. Overworking or driving ourselves too hard is a really socially acceptable way of avoiding emotion. 
And what's counterintuitive is the idea that self-care can be uncomfortable for us, especially when we're used to driving ourselves really, really hard or not taking that time for ourselves. It can be uncomfortable. An awareness of why you might be resisting self-care can be really, really powerful. Just simply the awareness, not even the strategies behind that. Once we realize that that's what we're doing, and then we can start to recognize it when it happens again in the future and choose to take a different action if we so desire. The last question is very, very common question for all of us with a human brain. What if I don't feel like doing something that I've planned for myself? And what I've noticed for myself is that this still comes up even years after practicing and being more mindful and leaning into the emotion. I still often get the thought, I don't really feel like it. I should do something different or better with my time. And so the thing that's most helpful is recognizing that this is normal and natural response. Our brain is still going to tell us, no matter how well planned we are, how much self-control we have, self-discipline, willpower, all of that, no matter what's going on for us, there's still going to be the thought, I don't really feel like it. I'd like to do something different. Just recognizing that that's normal. Once we accept that that's a normal, natural response for us, then we start to normalize it. And it becomes less of a source of resistance. Because sometimes when we're on this journey of self-awareness, we can start to realize that we're having these thoughts, these emotions, this resistance. And one of our first reactions is, well, I shouldn't be feeling that way. I know this isn't a productive thought or emotion. I know that it's not serving me. And what we'll try to do is resist against that and use that as an excuse not to get started. So something that works really well for me in that situation is just expecting it. Understanding that that's a normal human response, that it's going to happen no matter how well prepared I am. I'm going to have those thoughts and feelings in the moment. They're just going to come up naturally. Once I expect it, I can start to notice it when it's coming up, that resistance, and Like the frustration that I was talking about earlier in the episode, I can lean into it. Leaning into it is really what allows me to move through it. The moment that I'm resisting it, any emotion, any uncomfortable experience, the moment that I'm resisting it is the moment that I'm layering resistance on top of the uncomfortable emotion. So we don't want to solve for uncomfortable emotion. We don't want to remove it entirely, knowing that that's not possible. Instead, we want to learn to recognize it and lean into it, move through it so that we can get some forward movement and momentum. So a question that can be helpful in this situation is, what would be different if I expected to not feel like doing whatever I planned for myself? What would be different if I expected that? All right, those are the questions that I have for you today. Thank you so much for bringing them forward and the honor of working through the answers with you. I hope you have a great week. Take care, everyone. If you want to take the conceptual and make it practical and applicable to your own life, 
I invite you to sign up for a free coaching session. In just 30 minutes, you will have an understanding of how to make these strategies into an action plan that is easy for you to follow. Check out my website, financialwellnesscoach.ca to sign up for your free coaching session today.